Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th. And Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Gary Janetti is the author of Start Without Me. I'll be there in a minute. Gary is a four-time Emmy-nominated writer and producer who is the showrunner and creator of HBO Max's The Prince. He got his start writing on several network series before joining Fox's Family Guy where he was on the original writing staff and went on to pen many memorable episodes featuring Brian and Stewie. He then wrote on NBC's Will and Grace, where he rose to executive producer and showrunner. Janetti also created, executive produced, and wrote all episodes for the ITV PBS British sitcom Vicious, starring Sir Ian McKellen and Sir Derek Jacoby. His popular Instagram account of over 900,000 followers has been featured and praised in such publications as the New York Times, People, and Vanity Fair. Janetti's first book, Do You Mind If I Cancel?, became an instant New York Times bestseller. He lives in Los Angeles with his husband, TV personality and fashion expert, Brad Goreski. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Gary Janetti. 
Welcome, Gary. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks, Zibby. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, as I was just saying to you, I literally just recommended your book on Good Day LA as a book to laugh out loud. So um, I am a huge fan of the book and of your writing in general. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for the shout out. Also, so I had the PDF of your book on my phone and we were stuck in traffic last night going to this book launch event in Brooklyn with like a lot of people on my team and everybody was like getting, you know, tired of being in the, and I was like, you guys, I'm going to read Gary Gennetti's book to you out loud. How did it go? It was so great. So there were like two cars of us and the other car that got there, everybody was like nauseous and in the worst mood. And we all like piled, like fell out of the car laughing and having a Oh, okay, good. Yeah. All right. If I could help a car ride. Yeah. You helped a car ride. So mission accomplished. Yes, definitely. Um, Well, why don't you tell listeners a little bit about this book and, you know, even about both books, why you've started compiling these memories, which ones you pick, how you do it and all of that. You know, I never, it kind of happened just by happenstance. I met with James Melia, who is my editor now, and he asked if off of my Instagram uh, as popularity, he was like, would you ever be interested in doing a book? And I had actually been thinking about doing a book. I had always wanted to do it. As you could tell, when you read them, I talk about how I see myself as a writer. I'm yes. making air quotes, air yeah. quotes <laughs> if you're just listening. But um, I don't actually, you know, write. So I had this romantic idea of it that existed, not based in any, in any kind of reality. But that was something that I felt like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I don't know what it's going to be, but I, this is something I've, I've been wanting to do. I started off wanting to do it. And now, you know, I'm assuming the universe is telling me that now I'll use Instagram as the universe is telling me that now <laughs> is the, is the time. So I just, I, you know, Zippy, I didn't know what I was going to do when I started. I had an idea. I just knew I wanted to do um, short essays. And because I've written in sitcoms for so many years, you know, I kind of like to do things economically. So the the essays are kind of, you know, I've compacted my life into very tight, tidy little, you know, chapters. But I just thought of what are the things that I still remember? And at this point in my life, you know, when you're kind of 50, I'll, I'll call myself 50 generously, <laughs> and you can, you can you have enough to look back on, you know, if I wrote it at 35, I would be more self-conscious about what I was talking about, how, because, you know, you're too, you're almost too close to it. But at this point, you think, I'm still remembering these things. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. That, that was like, these are the things that stuck in my head. The things I've kind of written about, these moments from my life, they just... Are, are things that I still kind of think about. So I figured I'll write about those. So I would just like write one kind of sentence, you know, or even a word down, you know, write about in this book, write about Irene, my next door neighbor that I grew up with, write about your obsession with the Carol Burnett show. You, you mm-hmm. still kind of think about that. And it just started from that. So I just kind of, and then as I wrote them, I felt there was a naturally they connected together in some kind of almost, um, not to sound too pretentious, but in almost like a dreamy kind of way, you know, because yeah. there's, it's not like a real straightforward narrative thread by any stretch. But that's fine. The yeah, it's kind of all over the place. No, it's great. Yeah, it's kind it's of how, all over the place. It's how we yeah. think about life, really. Right? I, I think I think so. I don't think things are as tidy, you know, as we would like them to be. You know, we kind of 
don't know, you know, we jump from one thought to the next and one thing connects us to the other. And then we forget our original thought and then we go all the way back to it maybe, or, you know. <laughs> I just, I love how, so I'm 45. So I got like all the references to. Oh, good. All right. Yeah. Yes, life. But I like how you're constantly like telling the younger reader, you know, you're like, <laughs> Even things like when you talk about like the pen pals, like I totally made pen pal friendships. I had a pen pal from Paris who I met in Jamaica. We were pen pals for like two years. And every time that like airmail paper came in, I was right. like, oh my gosh. Exciting. Now, of course, I didn't visit her like you and your story, which is so funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did. And it was actually probably in real life a little bit even more painful than oh my gosh. it was in writing about. But yeah, another thing that I, yeah, because my dad worked for a cruise line. So I talk about, you know, how much that impacted my life and how many cruises we went on. Yes. And this older woman, once we became pen pals and yeah, and, and the, the excitement of that relationship of getting letters and passing letters in the mail but that are just, you know, really, I don't know, you know, what we were writing about actually, because I was a kid and she was a married woman, but it was all very, yeah, kind you of said, You said weird. at one point it was like just one conversation painfully drawn out <laughs> yeah. over six months. You know, like yeah, no, no six months over, over a file, like 10 years. Like yeah. it was like that, you know, it was, yes, the, the slowest conversation drips <laughs> coming through the mail, you know. And even how you point out in so many instances, like, but wait, you know, why were they hanging out with me? You, know, like, yeah. you don't think about it until you're older. Like what, what, you know, what was the 25-year-old couple doing with like a 15-year-old boy or whatever? Yeah. I think part of it too was I always kind of was more comfortable yeah. around older people. You know, yeah. it wasn't like they sought me out. I sought out, right. you know, people that were, were older. So I think there should be like a whole, I don't know, social network of old souls you know, like you, yeah. I, I identify as an old soul, like you're an old Me soul. Too. There are all these old I, souls out there where I was like, uh, you know, at these like seventh grade sleepovers. And I was like literally reading my book with the mom in the other room, you know, just being like, okay. Yeah. I was always <laughs> reading. I, I read mommy dearest when I was a kid. Like I read everything. I read my, I read the books my mother read too. They were around whatever bestsellers were there. I just picked them up. Nobody ever the Amityville Horror, I think I was like 10. I don't know. Nobody ever said that's not appropriate for you. They mm-hmm. might have rolled their eyes. Nobody was paying that much attention. You know, yes. my mother wasn't looking like what you were reading. I had a book, right. you know, it was like, it didn't really, whatever the book was, but yeah, it was always, also there wasn't anything called young adult fiction at the time. You know, True. there was yes. like little kids and then there was, you know, full on adults. Yeah. So yeah, which was kind of nice. I just skipped, <laughs> I just skipped ahead. Totally. I went straight to Judith Krantz from like Judy <laughs> totally. Bloom to Judith Krantz. Judy Bloom. Yeah, yeah. Judy Bloom. They passed that, that book around. Was yeah. it forever or mm-hmm. something? Yeah. Yeah. I know. So funny. And you also do talk, oh, by the way, your sister was like the most hilarious character. How you talked about her. <laughs> and you were like, you know, it's not so easy being like a, a gay boy yeah. in Queens, Maria, you know. And anyway, I don't know. I'm like, this probably is making no sense to anyone listening. I'm just like talking about the funniest parts. <laughs> but it was just so funny how you developed that and your family and how you felt feel even now, like going back and all of that. Anyway, how do people in your life tend to feel being written about? You know, we haven't talked that much you know, about it. You know, they've just recently read this book. <laughs> but I think they all like it. You know, the, I, everybody understands. For me, you know, it's different for everybody, obviously. But I'm looking for a way, for the most part, 
to celebrate the people that have been in my life in, mm-hmm. in it, not to kind of bring anybody to task about any past grievances that I'm now going to settle in this. With Certainly with my family, there are other people who, those people, I change their names and they're not usually, you know, in my life anymore. But for the most part, yeah, it's like I, I, I want to be able to celebrate the things that I have found in them that I, that, that I love about them and stuff. And it's kind of, so I, I'm hoping that people sense that. I love it. That's so great. How did you go from Queens, mm-hmm. like feeling so frustrated, Wizard of Oz boy, you know, yeah. roaming the streets in Venice to the sitcom part of your life? You know, in the, in my in my first book, plug mm-hmm. for the first book. Do you mind if I cancel now? Out in paperback, but I talk about I work at the Paramount Hotel as a bellman in it for two chapters, and oh, I'm like 28 years old, and I'm in terrible debt, and you know, I kept living. I, I just couldn't make enough to pay for what you know. I, I look at young people going to restaurants now, and I, I all only think, how do they afford this? Like, I'm looking at the prices. I'm like, there were cheap restaurants when I was in my 20s. Now everybody wants to go to all the restaurants they see in the infatuation and eater and on Instagram. And it's expensive. Like, there, it's $100 a person. Yeah. I'm like, I would be mentally like, I have, I would have a $20 bill in my pocket. I'm thinking like, if I spend this whole $20 on dinner, I'm like, I'm not going to be eating much tomorrow, you know, like that. And and I would have to, it was always in my head. So yeah, I'd gotten myself in like bad trouble of, of being in debt and working in the hotel. And I'm like, at 28, you're like, you can see 30. And I felt like, what am I doing? Like, I, I'm waiting for something to happen to me. And like, it doesn't work like that. I, w- I would work at this hotel thinking I was going to be, you know, discovered. I made air quotes again. Like <laughs> Lana Turner in the drugstore for those of us, you know, who can remember. I'm too young for Lana Turner, but Google it. Anyway, yeah, somebody just be plucked out of obscurity. I thought that, you know, I'd be discovered working in this hotel and somebody would say, I see something inside you. You'll, you'd be a terrific actor on all my children, or you'd be a wonderful writer for, you know, Vanity Fair. Like I had, would you have a short short story? I work for the New Yorker, you know, it was like, (laughs) uh, and my job was to just be like, Oh, like have humility and be like, I actually do, you know, and that's (laughs) how it was going to happen. And I had this kind of epiphany at one you know, day working there where I had, I checked in actually somebody who I went to school with and I had carried his bags up to the room and he tried to give me a tip. And it was just like, it was so, I was just like, what, what's happened? You know, like, I, like, I, I don't want to be here. Like I, I need to fix this. And I moved to LA. I quit, I quit. And I moved to LA a couple of months, I was already living in LA a few months later and, and I was teaching myself how to write for TV. I had been talking about writing that I was going to write for so long. And I was like, you have to do it now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody's coming to you, you idiot. Nobody's, nobody's finding you here. You know, nobody's looking for you. Who sh- nobody should care about your career and your future more than you do. You know, mm-hmm. like, why would a stranger care more than... I care. That made like, it all kind of, you know, clicked into place. So I just moved to LA shortly thereafter and I started writing and teaching myself. There was no internet, sadly. It sounds so strange to say that, but I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, like in like huge, you know, bigger kind of internet-y kind of thing, but there was no Google. And I went to the Writers Guild Library and I, and I read scripts from sitcoms. Like at the time it was like Friends and Mad About You and Seinfeld and Frasier and Roseanne. And I read these scripts and they were so well crafted. And I thought I could, 
I could do this. You know, it was by years of watching TV had kind of, you know, unknowingly, I was training my mind to kind of think like that. Like it made, it made sense. It was a language that I already spoke. I talk about in the book, often I repeat, especially in, in this book, the, the language of boys, the language of sports and all of the things that they were interested in. It always felt to me like a language I didn't speak. You know, I could pretend, like I pick up phrases. It's like I go to France and I can order, you know, that's what it was like. <laughs> I was in France, you know, like all the time, not speaking the language. And when I finally went to the Writers Guild Library and I read these sitcom scripts, I was like, this is a language I speak and I didn't know it, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a way. I mean, even then I, I, I couldn't really articulate it like I can now looking back. So I just started doing it. I just started writing it and I was focused. I was laser focused on like, I am going to make this happen. It was a switch went off and it never, once I started writing, I, I haven't stopped, you know, since, you know, I, it was a big, yeah, like kind of wake up call. And I was fortunate that a few months after I moved to LA, I got a job writing on a sitcom. You know, I, I had written, you know, I was like, literally like, I went from waiting for everything to happen to making everything happen, you know, overnight, which also is my advice to <laughs> young people. And I think I write about that in my first book a lot. And you say, you know, Zibia, that I was right, you know, write about like young people compared to now and then, but that's a thing that uh, people who were in their 20s now were like, I needed to hear that, you know, I've said, mm-hmm. or, oh my God, I have felt the same way, you know, like I did, you know, I have felt like this was, you know, something was just going to magically happen kind of fault, you know, to me as well, as opposed to, or I needed to hear that kind of thing. So yeah. Anyway, did that answer your question? I kind of went all over the place. I don't even care. I just love listening. It's great. Yes. And that did answer my question. And I stuck a few other answers in there too. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Two other unasked questions. (laughs) (laughs) This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
You know, you're funny in this book about Instagram and how you said something about like, it's like having milk in the fridge. Like just because you see it a few times a day doesn't mean you're friends. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're people you know on Instagram. Right, I right. Know, you said it in like, such a better yeah. way. <laughs> but here you are with this like massive following and you're so, I mean, clever in the way you use the platform. Like, just tell me about that. Like how... Because sometimes, because your your captions are often very short, the pictures, it could have just been Twitter, you know, it's also Instagram. Like, how did you decide, like, I'm going to master these mediums and, like, tap into this whole thing and, like, all the stuff with the royal family and, like, you've just, like, sort of hit it spot on. Was it just luck or just, I don't know, tell me about that. You know, it wasn't like a decision. It wasn't like I made a decision like I'm going to become a thing on Instagram. I mean, you can't kind of, you know, make that decision because it doesn't quite work out the way you kind of think it is. I just wanted to. I what I like about social media, you know, there's we all know the negative things about it. There are lots of you know negative things, um, you know, and but there's also a lot of positives and it's a way to kind of connect with people. And for me, I, I wanted to do something different on it. I was like, well, I, I like to, you know, zig when everybody's zagging, you know, I like to do the thing that people aren't doing. So I'm not interested in sharing my personal life, although there are bits, I guess, of it through my husband, Brad, and mostly on his, but it's not about my personal life. It's about, you know, kind of just, I thought of it as, a little TV show. I'm like, I wonder if I can use Instagram and make it kind of my own, you know, show and just do my, it's like the anti-Instagram almost, mm-hmm. you know, people are yep. posting inspirational posts and quotes. I'll turn that kind of inside out. Cause you know, I find that it's like, it's so trite and meaningless and the, you know, it's like, what's a, you know, what's a way to kind of that I can contribute to this and I have something to say and I can use it for that. And I wonder if people will, will respond to that. And then, um, when I started doing memes with Prince George, I think, and then I started developing a personality for him and started pushing how far you can uh, go on the platform to kind of create like I was like treating it like it was a TV show, you know, a whole little kind of universe. And gradually, yeah, I think people started coming aboard. It was like also, it's like you find people who have a shared sensibility. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So for the most part, you know, you gather people who kind of share your outlook, as it were, a bit. But it happened totally organically. But I did intend to do like to do my own thing. I, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to do my own thing. Also, you know, when you write for television and for so long, and when I started Instagram, it was before the books, you know, for something to go from my head, for you to see it on TV is a lot of steps. Mm-hmm. It's painstaking. It's a lot. And oftentimes it does not make it there along the way. There are notes and there's feedbacks and there are rewrites and there are so many things and there are months that go by and then you kind of watch it. You're like, ah, but this was an opportunity to have something in my head and now I put it out and it's right in the audience in a second and it gets a response, you know? And yeah, it's kind of, it's satisfying. Also, it, ca- it can be satisfying in that way creatively. Yes. There's nothing like the immediacy. Like, yeah, yeah. test out this thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's great. Yeah. It's totally. Didn't work it all. Okay. <laughs> no, <back>. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, they can't all be gems. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so what are you working on now? Now, just for the most part, kind of working on the book, you know, taking the book out into the world. And after having spent so much time, you know, writing it, even though it's short. <laughs> like it's so look at it, I'm like, it's so short, yet it took so long. 
<laughs> people are like, I finished it in a night. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like a night. Like I wish I could have written it in a night. So I'll be going on, going on book tour. So I'll be taking that around and then kind of seeing what it is that I want to do next. That's awesome. Wait, so how long did it take to write? You know, eight months. Yeah, that's not bad for a book, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so like many- also, it's not that, you know, it's not that long. So, you know, it's like, it's my attention. Everything is my attention span. <laughs> I, I like a book either to be this length or 3000 pages. Like it needs <laughs> to be one or the other. If it's something, if something is like 380 pages, I'm like, Ugh, 400 pages. Like, mm. but if you tell me it's like 1500 pages, I'm like, let me see. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's like one extreme or the other. I totally get it. It's uh, like, a, I'd rather watch a movie that's 90 minutes or 10 episodes, one hour episodes of The Crown. But if, it, if the movie's two and a half hours, I'm like, no. I know. You. It's so crazy. It, it, none, of it, none, of, none of our consumption <laughs> patterns make any sense anymore. No sense. No sense. Well, okay. So seriously, if somebody is trying to write about their life and they want, if, let's say somebody thinks they're funny but who knows okay. if they are or not. What what do they do next? Like, is it worth trying? Do you like, what medium do you like best? Like, what advice do you have for them? First of all, you should never think you're funny. So, <laughs> I I don't think I'm, I mean, like, I'm, I'm like, finally, I'm like, I can be funny is what I, I have my moments, you know, when I'm funny. And then I have many moments when I'm not. I always, you know, feel like I never tell anybody like, yeah, it's like comedy, you know, like I'm a comedy writer. It's like, you can decide (laughs) whether or not it's comedy. I'll just leave off the adjective and say writer. Because it's so subjective, right? But I would say if if they were interested in writing, are you saying if they're interested, if they think, okay, so I think I have something, I think think I'm funny and I would like to write. Is that the general kind of thing? What it would, okay, I would say, what is it you're drawn to? What do you watch? Do you watch a lot of, a TV comedy? Do you watch a lot of animation? Do you read a lot? What is it? How do you absorb comedy? Like, what is it that you gravitate towards? That's what you should be writing. That That's what it is. If it's like, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I think I would like to write, you know, a sitcom. It's like, no, like, what? <laughs> why? It's like, because I think I could do it. It's like, it's hard. Like you have to be passionate. So what's the thing? If it's, if it's, I like comic essays or I like this kind of thing, it's like, yeah, then, then start doing that. Then, then, then do it. And don't be afraid. The thing I've had to learn too is, you know, don't, don't force, don't force the funny. Like don't, don't, don't try too hard. We can see when somebody's working too hard, you know, yeah. it's like when something, I can notice it when you write like multicam sitcoms, like when you, uh, Will and Grace is a multicam sitcom versus, you know, Modern Family, single camera versus, you know, animation, obviously. But they're all kind of a, a bit different the way you, the way I approach them. Uh, something that's multicam for Will and Grace, the writing, I feel, is better when it has more of a tossed off quality where mm-hmm. it's not, doesn't feel tortured. Every yeah. joke isn't so, you know, so written because yeah. an audience oftentimes laughs just at the things that are more human and smaller mm-hmm. as opposed to the, the, the finely constructed joke. You know, it's like it, it, if something is too overthought, sometimes that kind of comes through, you know? So that's why the thing that you're passionate about, the area that you love, if whatever it is, there's no shame in anything, whatever it is, I have very high, low tastes, you know, that's what you should go towards because that's kind of 
how you, you know, that the thing that you love, don't go, don't go to the thing that you don't. It's like, you know, I want to do stand up, Ethan Miller, but I think that's the hardest thing in the world to do. It's like, what are you talking about? So many people are like, I'll do stand up. My husband and I, where were we? I think we were like maybe going to one of the million of open houses we do just for fun, even though we have no intention of buying anything. But anyway, we, I think we were with this woman and she was showing around a house and she was very serious the whole time. And then she happens to mention, and she's like, you know, on the weekends, you know, that, and that's where I perform my stand-up routines. And we kind of laughed like, ha <laughs> And she was serious. <laughs> I'm like, you do stand-up comedy? Like, come on. No, there's maybe, no way. Maybe she's good. Maybe she's amazing. <laughs> Who maybe, knows? Maybe, maybe she's amazing. I she's know. probably like yeah. has her own. But it's hard. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's like saying, I think I want to do, I want to perform surgery. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you don't just get up and do stand up. It's like crazily difficult. Well, but, I feel yeah. like your whole career has sort of justified the 12 hours a day you spent watching TV. <laughs> it has. <laughs> right? I didn't know. Yeah, it's completely. Yeah, it's completely. It's completely, it was, it was training for it. I didn't even know when I was in my twenties and I wanted to be a writer and I was doing all of this stuff. Like I, you know, I wanted to be a novelist, air quotes again. And I never even thought, well, why don't you be, why don't you want to write for TV? You know, Mm -hmm. because I didn't think, I didn't connect those dots. There was nobody, by the way, to help me connect the dots. Nobody just said, hey, you want to be a writer? You have a good year. Because I, I did write in school and I did well with it. And teachers told me I had a good year, but, you know, um, for dialogue. But nobody was telling me perhaps, you know, writing for television or this, because it wasn't anything that anybody thought of. So it was just, I guess it was there in the back of my mind. And it was just like, I'll just try this. Yeah. you know, uh, to do, to do this. So yeah. It, and I had no idea that I was you know, as a, doing as a parent, so much preparation for it. So I have four kids and I used to have these like very stringent time restrictions on everything, but like I keep interviewing people like you or like I read about Simone Biles. who's like, I sat and watched gymnastics for videos for like four hours a day. And I'm like, maybe she wouldn't have been Simone Biles if her mom would have been like, you can only watch 30 minutes a day. You know, you're right. Like, you by the way, be a sitcom I, I, writer, if you had I, only watched, I, I'm telling you, no, I definitely, I, I mean, I'm not. This is not to advocate for parents leaving their children in front of TV <laughs> for, you know, twelve hours, which is about how much I, I. Yeah, I watched it like it was my job. I mean, it was like I had, you know, but it was. I, you know, I also was engaging with it in a weird way. You know, I was a lonely kid and it was, it was more than a lifeline. It was, you know, it activated kind of something in me, my imagination in a way. So yeah, and it is, I I, I do believe that Simone Biles, of course, that, 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 that helped. I mean, she's extraordinary, obviously, but I, I think that also is, is a form of training. Mm-hmm. you know, men- cer- certainly mentally. And yeah, I know it's ironic that it ended up this way. I mean, my mom is so pleased. I'm like, cause we watched, cause she was, they complained about how much TV I watched, obviously, but there was nothing to be done about it. You know? <laughs> I was always watching it. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> like it, it ended up being a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know you what's going to go on with your yeah. kids or anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Just last question, but are you reading anything good now or have you read anything amazing lately? Yeah. You know, I just read, oh my God, I read so much that everything kind of blends together. 
but I just read Edith Wharton for the first time, the, what's the novel with Lily Bart, not The Age of Innocence, uh, The House of Mirth. I just read The House of Mirth because The Gilded Age was on and I was watching The Gilded Age and I was like, I want to read an Edith Wharton novel. And I had never read The House of Mirth and it's so good. Oh my God, <laughs> you cannot, there's nobody, oh my God. I was like, it, yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, so I, yeah, The House of Mirth. And I read uh, Elena Ferrante's new book, The Lion life of adults as well just recently yeah i love her too and sally rooney yeah i love sally rooney everybody loves sally rooney i know go to she's great (laughs) okay gary thank you so much this is so fun and thank you for making me laugh um i feel like we all need a good laugh right about now in the world and thank you it's coming at the perfect time so good luck with your tour and have fun thank you thanks so much zibby it was a pleasure okay you too bye (laughs) Bye bye-bye Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 